Is the source of our struggle internal or external? Should we persevere against the voices that demand change or our own inclination to remain the same? In this episode, we continue the story of Gregory Burns as he discovers the seed of his own motivation. Would not having the use of his legs limit his ambition? And are we imposing unnecessary disabilities on our own performance? This is a podcast about B2B marketing and the account-based mindset. This is Reach. Well, thanks for joining us today. My name is Hiromi, and I'm here with CEO and agency founder, Jason Thorgerson. Hello, everyone. And Chief Creative Officer, Garrett Krinsky. Happy to be here. So we've been talking at some length about this quality of perseverance, and we've heard from authors and professors about the quality itself. But we thought we'd reach out to a few marketers for their take on what the quality means to them. Uh, I reached out to Tom Wilson, who's an account exec, and Tom worked with me at my first ad agency job. So aside from having perseverance in working with me, this is what he said about the need for perseverance in his role. Especially in business development, you really have to believe in your creative folks and everybody else at the agency to be able to get the job done. I'm not going to try to sugarcoat this. I did get a lot of rejections, but I think what I learned both at my Fallon years and at the start of my Rizal years is you have to keep on going or you have to meet the challenge and you have to be thick skinned. And I can take a lot of rejection and still bounce up when I've got the support back at the agency to be able to deliver a good product for the client. So I thought that was a nice perspective. I, I don't know why, but I hadn't really thought about how vulnerable it could feel to have to persist in selling a service that you yourself have no immediate control over. Yeah, There's an element of faith there and trust in your team that's, that's obviously necessary. And that interdependency within a team is something that our project manager, Tracy Berger, commented on when we asked her why project managers need perseverance. As a project manager, you have to deal with a lot of different personalities. You have to be open-minded enough, both as an internal creative team and an agency and with the client. You just constantly have to be able to pivot in another direction. I don't think you can be a project manager and not have perseverance in your skill set. Nothing will get accomplished. <laughs> so this quality of perseverance is obviously necessary across a wide range of roles and experiences. And I think what we discovered in our last episode is that a diversity of experience is a direct result of this kind of mindset. Despite not having the use of his legs, Gregory Burns has already gone from competitive swimming to art studies in Asia and world traveling. In fact, we resume his story as he sails across the Pacific with a group of Danish educators shooting documentaries. This is more than most of us experience in a lifetime. But Gregory Burns was just getting started. So from New Zealand, the boat sailed to Palau in the Philippines. But before the boat got there, I was watching the Gulf War One unfold on CNN. Certainly stay in their home. This is Doug James reporting live for CNN. Uh, and I'm not a hawk. I don't believe in war. But in 1991, I was watching this war happen, and for better or for worse, it was the first time I really felt nationalistic. I wanted to see what could I possibly do as Gregory Burns to help America. Bing! I could swim in the 1992 Barcelona Paralympics and represent my country. 
So this is 91. I'm on a boat in the middle of the South Pacific. A few months later, we're in Hong Kong and I leave the boat. Suddenly I'm in Hong Kong and I needed to get sponsored because the US Olympic Committee wasn't paying for us at that time. I needed to find sponsorship to represent my country. So I canvassed all the American MNCs, multinationals in Hong Kong, and a few companies ponied up. And the first one was KFC. So I ended up getting the money. I started training for the Paralympics. A lot of amazing things happened. And I went and swam in the Barcelona Paralympics. I, I got one world record and a silver and a bronze. And after I swam, I held this big Basque chicken leg up with my medal, smiled, clicked, took a picture, and then took the photos back to KFC. And the guy said, thanks for the photo. And he said, do you have a suit, like a suit and tie? I said, yeah. I said, why? He said, well, can you come back on Monday and meet the president? So I came back on Monday. Long story short is they offered me a job managing internal and external corporate communications for KFC Asia Pacific, which was Japan to India, two and a half billion dollar business. And the question was, so what happened? What switched? Here I was in 1992, swimming faster as a 38-year-old than as an 18-year-old. What happened? I had the two full-time jobs and I was training for the Paralympics. So it wasn't an ideal training situation, but I think what had happened was I was focused. Get up, go swim, go to work, go to the gym. Lunch, go to work, go swim. So I had this training schedule that wasn't ideal, but I, I really learned discipline, I think, and how to focus. And that really was when the switch went on. And then the switch followed me through the next three Paralympics. Atlanta 96 was my better year. I had three world records and some golds and silvers. So I was winning some records, getting some medals, getting some recognition, getting some sponsorship. In fact, to this day, I still hold five national swimming records in American swimming. But later, I think what started to happen was I started to compete against able-bodied people as well. In fact, the first big thing I ever did was in summer of 84, I, I ran the Honolulu Marathon on crutches. I got my bib number and everything. I went to Hawaii and I, I didn't have enough money for a hotel. So I slept in the park next to the starting line and 6 a.m., bam, the gun goes off and everybody's running and running. And 8 a.m., the fastest runners are, are finished and at 10 a.m., most everybody's finished. By 12 o'clock, They'd actually taken down the finish line and Waikiki went back to being Waikiki. And, and I was still out running. And I didn't know any of this because I was out somewhere in, in Haleiwa or somewhere out there. You know, and here I'm running along, running along. And, and I had my number on, so I, I knew what I was doing. And people would drive by and say, what are you doing? I said, I got my number. I'm running the marathon. They oh, that's cool. And they'd drive back home and then they'd come back and they'd give me a, a bologna sandwich or a 7-Up or something. And people kept, you know, asking me all day, what are you doing? What are you doing? And, Finally, around six o'clock, this black van drives up, and I thought it was the KGB or something. And the doors open up, and out jumps this film crew, and they start filming me and interview. So, Mr. Burns, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? What are you? I just talked, and I kept going, and and then they disappeared. And about nine o'clock at night, I see this bunches of people as I'm running back towards the fish line. There are all these people yelling and screaming, going, "Go, go, go!" And 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 by the time I got to the finish line, the finish line had been brought back. And there were like 100 people waiting and cheering me on. So I got my t-shirt, my finisher's t-shirt. I came in dead last. I did it in 16 hours. That was the first thing I really did against able-bodied people. And that's really where I realized, listen, I'm not going to win this. I'm here to complete, not compete. And to complete it is a win. In 2006, I was offered a spot in the Korean Jeju Island uh, Ironman. And I'd never done an Ironman before. The distance is daunting. 
it will push you physically, mentally, and emotionally to limits never before achieved. An Ironman is a 3.8 kilometer swim, 180 kilometer bike, and 42 kilometer run. For me, it was a big lift. It's kind of ridiculous, given the scenario, given the the uh, the bike part. It's 180 kilometers, and I have to average 20 kilometers an hour for nine hours, which for someone on an able-bodied bike, is something probably you could do in a heartbeat. But, um, I'm, mine's a hand-powered bike, and it's all upper body, and I'm pulling myself up these hills. I go really well downhill, but going up, I, I get real slow. I didn't have a racing wheelchair. Yeah. I didn't have a racing bike. I knew I could do the swim, so I trained for it, uh, and I did it. The finish line is a place to let it all go. Gregory Burns. Polio at the age of one would not slow him down. A man that sets a goal and goes out and accomplishes it. Gregory Burns. An Iron Man at the age of 48. And that was kind of like, okay, that's good. Congratulations, Greg. Thank you, thank you. I think this idea of complete, not compete, was very interesting. His whole story about uh, the Honolulu Marathon. In the first two hours, the, the professionals were finishing the marathon, and 14 hours later, he's still going at it. The news team comes out, and then they reset up the finish line, and he's just got to get it done. That's part of the learning mindset. This achievement and accomplishment is in the completion. I really love this part of the story. I, it was certainly inspiring. I am struggling a little bit to make a professional application, though. I, I, I feel like that's not often the message in industry. Complete, not compete. Aren't we always being held to a higher benchmark, trying to become more efficient, deliver more, faster? Well, you, it, you know what I mean? So in some cases, right. There's viral things that happen overnight, which maybe has spoiled everyone to what success looks like in marketing. But in many cases, especially account-based marketing, it says on the It's My website, ABM is a long-term strategy. Gary Vaynerchuk says there is no rush. Be patient. Neil Patel, uh, long-term commitment to content marketing, right? So it's about being committed to the long-term, just like Gregory was, you know, he knew mm -hmm. he wasn't going to complete it in two hours. There was no success at the two-hour mark, but just being in it for the long haul and finishing and then seeing what you learned and carrying that forward. It's like, it's not that there's not important metrics where the metrics don't matter or return on investment doesn't matter. All these things right. still matter regardless of whatever marketing approach that we, we employ. But I think what Garrett's saying about account-based marketing and B2B marketing, we're focused on developing deeper relationships, developing better conversations, gaining greater situational awareness about their unique circumstances as a business. So we don't think about it just purely in terms of metrics. The completion of it is really about, have we done our job to increase our reputation, to enhance our relationship, to get to maybe influencing outcomes like pipeline opportunities and revenue? Those are the things, right? Gregory said, the pain of letting himself down was greater than the relief of quitting. And so what he's talking about there is short-term, long-term. There's lots of short-term gratification in marketing too. You might approach an account, for instance, who's not in market. They have signed with an incumbent, a, a competitor, and they won't be in market for years. 
But can you start a relationship? Can you continue to demonstrate value? Angela Duckworth, she talked about sticking to something, in her words, for a very long time. So grit is not just momentary. Perseverance is not just momentary in marketing. It's a million little moments that make up this one long journey towards completing something. And I think through Gregory's story, this passion to be a lifelong learner, not Mm -hmm. be fixed in how we think about things, benefits an account-based marketer because they're always learning. They're passionate about the customer. And they're passionate about trying to figure out, how do I improve in my discipline? How do I improve in my attitude? How do I improve in my techniques to make these things mm-hmm. happen? Yeah, those are questions we should probably all be asking ourselves. You know, we, um, we reached out to Amber Bogey. She's currently director of demand generation at ReachDesk because she has to inspire teams of people to ask those same questions every day. And, and we asked her, you know, what does perseverance mean to you? I think perseverance to me really means commitment, continued work and effort. Achieving a goal, no matter how challenging the journey is to get there. I think that it's certainly a personal definition to each and every person. For me, I just tell myself there's no other option. You just do. Yeah, there's something to being committed and that determination. Have you seen maybe in the marketing role where this comes up a lot, where it requires you to persevere? I honestly think that it's a daily thing for marketers. One thing that I'm going on and on about all the time when it comes to account-based marketing is sales enablement and metrics. And sales enablement is a challenge. And no matter how long you've been at a company, there's always going to be a new salesperson. There's always going to be a new product. There's always going to be something You need to continue to educate on, and that in itself takes perseverance. And the same thing with reporting. We're always iterating and improving. There's always a new software, new analytics. We've invented something new. We now must figure out. That's an exhausting thing for marketers, for operations, for anyone that's dealing with numbers. So that in itself, I'd say, like, it's perseverance across the board. Yeah. What are some of the challenges to displaying this mindset when the outcomes aren't necessarily tied to quick metrics? I guess I would have to say that it's a failure of some businesses that cast aside the strategy because they don't see the results soon enough. I think the perfect kind of way to almost look at account-based marketing is it's an investment. Just like when you invest in the stock market or in a house, it takes time to grow the equity, to grow that financial reward. It's important to pay attention to what you're doing, but Those big whale accounts are not getting closed two weeks after you kick off an ABM strategy. I mean, most sales cycles in B2B software go up up to a year, sometimes further. Yeah, totally. Has there been any advice that you've gotten along the way that you'd like to pass on to others that can help marketers to continue to persevere? I think the biggest game changer for me has been community. But I think the second thing would be Willingness to share because it takes vulnerability to oftentimes open up and find those connections. And the people that you think are the most successful and the greatest of the great that you admire in your career, they have failures, they have mistakes. And it's shocking when you find out about it because you put them up on a pedestal, but it is the best feeling ever because we're all humanized. And 
for us to continue to build this, I encourage everyone to be vulnerable. Yeah, I love that. You know, a buzzword for a long time was authenticity. But I think uh-huh. this idea of vulnerability is even more powerful because it it kind of lets people into a deeper level. Actually, just to my right, I have post-its from like six, seven different people over like a 10-year span of my life. Things that they said to me that were moving and powerful. Some of them simple, some of them very deep, but those things stick. And when I felt like giving up or like I'm not great or whatever it is that one day, I get to remember those things because we are not the greatest at seeing outside of ourselves. You know, it was, it was great talking with Amber. I think a part of her message about vulnerability was that if we want to effectively master some of these mindsets, like perseverance, we're going to need to adopt them holistically into our character, in and outside our professional lives. And they're going to need to affect our attitudes privately as well, which can feel a little vulnerable. Yeah. I found an interesting quote in a LinkedIn article by Dev Basu. He grew a digital marketing agency And he says, persistence is a skill, whereas perseverance is a virtue. And Mm -hmm. and I thought that was interesting. He made that distinction that it it becomes a little bit greater than, than just persisting this idea of perseverance. Yeah, I think that's a really good breakdown. And it's probably a good segue into our next guest because earlier I think you quoted from Gary Vaynerchuk and we had the opportunity to speak with the president of Gary Vee's marketing company, Sasha Group about the deep roots that Perseverance has in their culture. James, just introduce yourself, like your name and maybe a little bit about your background. Yeah, great. Uh, my name is James Orsini. I'm the president of the Sasha Group, which is one of Gary Vaynerchuk's VaynerX companies. I was formerly his chief operating officer of VaynerMedia before taking on this role. I've spent uh, the better part of the last uh, 30 years in marketing and advertising. That's awesome. So as we're exploring this quality of perseverance, and obviously you've had a long career, looking back, what role has, has this quality played through? Yeah, yeah. well, know? I could speak to it for myself. I mean, when I got to VaynerMedia, which on day one was really a social media advertising company, and there I was, I stepped in the door at 52 years old, and I'm surrounded by 500 millennials, and um, I really didn't know much about social media. You know, I had general market advertising, I had mobile, I had branding, I had public relations, but this was now the next territory to be conquered by me. And I really had to have some perseverance to want to learn more, right? So, so, you know, I'm certain that's what attracted me uh, to Gary in some way, shape or form. There was an article written by Mobile Marketer Magazine and, and the headline was, what makes James Orsini leave his comfortable perch? at Saatchi and Saatchi. You know, I was, I was comfortable, but sometimes you got to stretch yourself beyond your comfortable perch to be able to learn more. Yeah, that's interesting. So you're talking about stretching yourself. Do you generally suggest that people persevere in always striving for the impossible and believing in limitless potential? Or do you advocate to like know your strengths and set realistic goals that you can believe in? Um, yeah, does that question I'm make a sense? big advocate, as is Gary, of self-awareness. You know what I mean? He often uses the example, if you're five foot four, you could persevere all you'd like, but you're probably not going to make it to the NBA. You know what I mean? Despite your love of basketball and despite your willingness to do it. So 
I think self-awareness is, is really important. At the Sasha Group, obviously, we work with entrepreneurs and founders and everything. And we tell them to surround themselves with people, not who are just like them, but rather if they have a weakness, this guy plays to their strength. And even personally, you know, I was the CEO of a publicly traded company. There's not many people who could do that. But I know what I don't want to do ever again, and that is to be a CEO of a publicly traded company. You know, I've been a great, great number two, you know, and I've been a number two to a lot of number ones, and, and they've been successful. And as a result, I've been successful in kind of being caught up in their wake. Uh, so this is kind of who I am. You know, I'm cool with this. That's really yeah. interesting. I, you know, you made me think about that in a new way. I think a lot of people think of perseverance as something that they're muscling against external influences, that they need to persevere against people telling them what they can't do or whatever. Sometimes perseverance, if, if I'm hearing you right, is us persevering against our own inclinations, our own maybe desires to be something that we shouldn't yeah. be. And being willing and humble enough to accept ourselves for who we, who exactly. we really are. Exactly. I mean, and it, yeah. it was a search. You know, I've, I've come to that now, obviously, uh, with a 35-year career. I've come to that. Uh, early on, I was yeah. searching for what is that. So in the 80s, I was a New York State CPA. And you talk about perseverance. I wanted to get to Wall Street. And uh, every recruiter is like, James, you went to a non-Ivy League school. You're the son of a plumber from Newark, New Jersey. Okay. I couldn't change that. But what I did know is that my strength was if I got in front of people, because I grew up in a house where I was the youngest, I knew how to play up. And I'll never forget the interview question was, so if, if you were in a brick wall, James, and I told you you had to get to the other side, what would you say to me? Uh, and I said, where would you like the wall move to, sir? And he's like, that question got you hired. So leaning in on what it is that you know you're good with, you know what I mean? And not paying too much attention to the stuff that you're weak at. If you're interested in reading the full interview with James or Amber, visit our LinkedIn page or our site, readjbm.com. You should definitely check it out because James had a lot of great insights. His approach to obstacles and his thinking on it was unique. And I think changing our perspective on things can help us see how to overcome challenges. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that goes back to this idea of being passionate about learning. Are mm -hmm. we fixed in how we see things or can we be challenged to see them from another angle? And the thought that I was telling as to how he approaches things and perhaps his led to the success and the duration of his career. I thought that part about being the 52-year-old guy who's entering the millennial world and this idea of reinventing yourself and being humble and learning and stretching, it was really kind of telling about the type of person he was. Like who at, you know, when they're a decade and a half from retirement age is going to just completely blow it up, do something they're not comfortable with. I thought that was kind of inspirational. Yeah. And I think that's another correlation between James mindset and Gregory's too, right? Because again, we have to stretch to put them into a box. You know, what are you? Are you an accountant? Are you yeah. a, a CEO? Are you a marketer? What are you? And as he approached new challenges, it's clear that he had this, where do you want this wall move to mentality? Just like Gregory with the KFC opportunity maybe felt underqualified, but he just said, where do you want this wall move to, sir? I think too with James, he 
seems to be a very self-aware person. He talks about Gary Vaynerchuk as being a proponent of self-awareness. Gregory Burns, very self-aware. And so it's like, to me, as a learning personally, can I be objective about myself and be honest about myself? You know, we've come to this in, in many of these mindsets. It takes some humility in some cases to stretch and put himself in that position, be a little uncomfortable, be self-aware and find some success. I think that's where having that growth mindset tends to mean that you are more self-aware, right? You're also a learner, which a learner tends to be someone that's humble, mm -hmm. right? You have a greater purpose or passion and that allows you to stay in something despite challenges and hardships. Right, and an outcome for someone else versus outcome for yourself is, is an interesting kind of concept. Like we're talking about learning here, which is definitely self-fulfilling, but is there a purpose around your learning? Like I think about Gregory where he's helping other people now. That's what we want to explore further in our next episode. How can you spread this quality of perseverance in your own community? We'll speak with Bobby Herrera, CEO of Populous Group and the author of The Gift of Struggle about how good leaders can inspire others to persevere. Our responsibility to help people through their struggles so that they can persevere is to edit and simplify their life. More often than not, you're either ratcheting up accountability or you're putting more on their plate and the last thing they need is more. We're also speaking with agency owner and best-selling author Stu Hynek about how we can learn about perseverance from weeds in nature. We're all familiar with dandelions, and they're tough because there are hundreds of them out there, and each one produces up to 15,000 seeds per plant. That's not going away really easily. And what a great demonstration of the power of collective scale. Where did the road less traveled lead Gregory Burns? And how does the mindset of perseverance translate into real, tangible action? All this in the final part of this series. Next time on Reach.